Ladies and gentlemen, let's go. Let's go. We ain't got no time to waste. Let's go. Let's go. You are now listening to Jason Anderson, and you are in the the Zone is presented by Guaranteed Foods, delivering all natural food to Midwestern families since 1958. Enjoy healthier food, more free time, free delivery, and better value. Go to GuaranteedFoods.com. Welcome to The Zone. Sterling Holmes filling in for Jason Anderson and Josh Briscoe. Kyle is behind the glass Hopefully we do better than uh, Jake Browning. No, I'm kidding, man. Jake Browning had a nice game. It wasn't him. Chiefs just got it done as they beat the Bengals last night. But we will fill in and hopefully bring home a W on this fill-in show, The Zone. Uh, we'll be done at noon today. College football heading your way at noon after this. Again, I am Sterling Holmes. We'll be joined by Daniel Harms, film analyst of RGR Football at 1015. We'll be joined by Matt Derrick of Chiefs Digest at 11. I'm not going to lie, I was a little nervous trying to get guests on New Year's Day, and I was two for two. Sometimes in the business, you don't know, you might have to send 37 texts out before you get two guys to say yes. Two for two. Good ratio. I will say, I know I'm getting old when New Year's Day or New Year's Eve, I should say, I take a nap before midnight after the final game, which uh, not a great game, let's be real, a night game. After that game, I go, I am taking a power nap before midnight. I ripped one. It was great. The The old man nap, right, where you, you, you lay in the in the chair, the lazy boy, and it kicks back, and you have a drink in your hand. One of those, the, 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 this, the ultimate classic old man lean back moves. Yeah, that was me last night. <clears throat> I will say, I woke up to a uh, a killer Leonard Skinner cover ba- uh, cover band. For those mad at me, there's no original members left in Leonard Skinner. It still kicked ass. I would still choose that a thousand times over a thousand uh, compared to. Uh, a lot of other stuff. So maybe like 989 out of 1,000. There's probably like 11 things I would choose. But it was great, man. I, I was a huge fan of, uh, of Leonard Skinner playing Freebird up until the, uh, the ball drop in Nashville. Pretty killer. Kyle, what'd you do? Anything fun? Not really, man. Like I told you before the show, it's kind of a low-key night for me. Hung out with some friends, and I was back home at 11 o'clock. Yeah, man, that's, that's the way to do it. That's the way to do it. Your first kiss is a uh, is a bottle of Bush Light. Can of Bush Light, sorry. I did do the last dab yesterday. You know, the uh, hot ones, the hot sauce. It's the... It, it, for those of you that don't watch hot ones, it's 11 out of 10 on the, the heat scale. It's one of the hottest, if not the hottest hot sauces out there. Um, it's what they do on that last dab's show. The last one they do. I went back for seconds. That bleep was good, man. It was good. I, I'm not going to lie. I'm a hot sauce aficionado. I thought it was really good, uh, just taste-wise, too. I didn't know how I was going to handle it, but I, I figured the smart move. If you want to impress your friends and do some hot sauce challenges, don't drink water or milk or anything after you, you take said hot sauce. You know why? Then it gets spread around your, your, your mouth. 
all you're doing when you drink water is you spread the heat around. You keep it there, you keep it isolated. It's a little tip right there. You like that, Kyle? Yeah, most people, they want to use that hot, something hot, as like a punishment of some sorts, right? Yeah. Like fantasy football, last place punishment. Go do the blazing challenge. I'm just a psycho. Yeah, apparently. Just like Jamar Chase, who apparently doesn't understand. Um, when you talk smack, you got to back it up. And if you don't back it up, don't talk smack post-game. I am just... My mind is blown at the lack of awareness from Jamar Chase. It's absurd. No chance a guy who talked all that smack. Yeah, their defense isn't nothing. They don't have a Jalen Ramsey. Nothing really stands out. No chance that dude gets locked for three catches and 41 yards, right? No chance that dude gets bounced from the playoffs and then continues to talk smack post-game. No way dude, after gets bounced from the playoffs with 41 yards, says, I just be under people's skin sometimes. Bleeper won't fight me. You know why Legereus won't fight you, guy? They're trying to, again, wrap up an 8th straight AFC West championship, which, check, they did. Try to make the playoffs, which, check, they did. And try and go deep in the playoffs and win a Super Bowl, like, check, you have not. You care more about talking smack and fighting than winning the games. Uh, yeah. Bengals. Go ahead and give Jamar all that money. Now, I don't know if you saw in the post-game uh, presser from Jamar when he's in the locker room. He's talking more smack. You hear T. Higgins start laughing. Now, is that T. Higgins laughing because he's saying, all right, I'm with you, Jamar? Or is it T. Higgins, la- T. Higgins laughing saying, dude, you got your ass clamped and you're still talking? Is that T. Higgins saying, you know what? <laughs> I ain't going to be a Bengal next year. I'm out. I don't have to deal with this anymore. If you're T. Higgins, you can't show up your teammate like that and laugh at him because he got clamped and he's still talking. Uh, By the way, Jamar Chase uh, was lined up against Snead for 61.8% of his routes, according to NFL Next Gen Stats. Uh, He had three targets, two receptions for 27 yards against Legereus. But yeah, no, he's no Jalen Ramsey. <laughs> no J-Ram. Uh, Jamar Chase gained, uh, gained fewer receiving yards than expected, minus six for the first time in his five career games versus the Chiefs. So he was worse than average. Yeah, man. Talk smack. Out there looking like MVS. <laughs> nah, man, I can't, I can't say that. Can't say that. We'll talk about MVS a little later. I I, I want to keep this thing on a high note. Keep, keep the victory vibes high as the Chiefs once again clinch the AFC West title. Now, I, I do want to put this into perspective here. In, in a year that has been marred by offensive inefficiencies, in a year that has been defined by drops, poor route running, lack of separation, the Chiefs once again clinch the AFC West title. Eight straight in a row. That is just so incredibly impressive. In a down year, a bad year, 
Chiefs find a way to get it done. Now I get it. The Chiefs have higher aspirations than just the AFC West title. Understood. But I would be remiss if I didn't talk at least about the incredible performance and what that means historically for the Chiefs organization. When it comes to the game itself, again, I want to talk about the positives before we get into some of the uh, concerns. How about Rasheed Rice? How about Mahomes throwing to Rasheed Rice on a deep ball? How about Mahomes throwing to Rasheed Rice on a deep ball? He catches it! By the way, on that route, I don't know if you heard from Rasheed Rice. Rasheed Rice talked about it. That was supposed to be a hitch. But he goes, I can get by that guy. Supposed to be a short hitch. But he goes, you know what? I got this. I see separation. I'm going to go. Mahomes and Rice on the same page. And we heard pretty pretty much a good amount this season where they're trying to find players who are uh, Mahomes friendly. When the first play breaks down, who gets open? When the receiver sees the soft spot, when the receiver understands he can take advantage of that and not just go to where the coverage is. Mahomes typically is going to understand the defense, what's, th- what's getting thrown at him. He knows the soft spot. He knows where the opening's going to be. It's up to the receiver to get there. We heard, I, I want to say this about eight weeks ago, okay? This was a while ago. But we started hearing that Rasheed Rice was becoming more Mahomes friendly. And this, to me, is what it means. The options, the ability to understand that, hey, if I run a hitch right here, I'm getting smothered. I ain't helping Mahomes. They ain't nothing there. So what's he do? He keeps going, burns the corner. Mahomes understands it because, again, he sees this huge game. This is what the Chiefs' offense needs going forward. Again, it's why I don't want to see any more MVS. It's why, um, you know, Sky Moore, Kadarius Toney, they've shown... Kadarius a little different story, but they haven't shown the ability of when a play breaks down or understanding what the defense is giving them. Rasheed Rice is getting there. Richie James, in his limited action, I think, is starting to get there. Like, we've not seen Richie a ton this season, but when we do, feels like he's getting open, he's finding separation, especially on those underneath routes, right? Those six- to eight-yard routes. I hope we see more Richie James. Justin Watson coming up with a big catch in this game as well. Uh, Nice to see some deep balls finally uh, get connected. Before we bring on Daniel Harms. I do want to play a little bit of audio from this game. We're going to start with with just Andy Reid here. Andy Reid's opening statement as far as the victory over the Bengals. Listen, uh, what a game. And our fans were unbelievable, loud. Uh, They started the New Year's early, I think. Uh, But it was impressive. Um, Great win to get against a good football team. Zach does a heck of a job with that team, and um, they were battling through some injuries early. But you, you saw their quarterback um, is good, a good player, and for a young guy to be able to step in for a great player like that and do what he did was impressive. Um, I was uh, very proud of our coaches, the the offense and defensive coach, special teams. Everybody contributed in this thing, which I think was was great. And as you saw, nobody gave up hope. I mean, it didn't, wasn't the smoothest early, but the guys battled through and they supported each other. And so that's a, that's a positive. And then there were a bunch of individual things. You got to start with Bucker and six field goals, <coughs> six field, excuse me, six field goals. Uh, that was incredible. And these just weren't little chip shots. I mean, these were, 
real field goals. So, and then uh, Willie had a huge play in there, which was great to see. Rice with the big catch. Um, uh, the O-line and D-line just came with a certain attitude and uh, took charge there. Um, D-line had six sacks, I think. One. <coughs> Excuse me. Had six sacks, which was, uh, or seven, so whatever it was. It was a lot of sacks um, mixed in there. They did, they did great. Uh, Richie James with the punt return um, did a heck of a job with that. So, um, listen, I mean, I can keep going through guys, but all in all, uh, it was a good game to get. Um, it's great to have uh, the guys have a championship, uh, the, the, um, you know, with the AFC West. So, I mean, that's a that's a positive positive thing. Um, I know how they are; they're not going to rest on that. Um, but it, it is exciting for them uh, to get a taste, especially the new guys that haven't had that experience. So, um, uh, again, proud of the whole situation there. It was a redemption story in this game. It was a microcosm of what the Chiefs have done all season long and then what we want to see the Chiefs do. It was a microcosm as in everyone struggled first half. Early in this game, everyone struggled. Mahomes was struggling. The wide receivers were struggling. There was drop balls. You know, it was even the 50-50 ones, right? When Justin Watson had an opportunity on a deep ball, again, Tough catch. Don't get me wrong. You don't necessarily expect him to catch it, but it's what we've seen all season long. You know he's not catching it, right? After you watch the Ravens-Miami game and you see the Ravens bringing every single ball in, their backup tight end, Isaiah Likely, bringing in a one-handed catch. You see Roquan Smith defensively make a phenomenal catch. And then you see the Chiefs' wide receivers in the first half struggle. You go, okay, it's more of the same. Defensively, they're getting gashed. Right, They're getting absolutely gashed. Willie Gay Jr. has an opportunity to take a shot at Jake Browning, doesn't take it. Jake Browning goes in for the touchdown. You see Charles Amenahu and him get into it on the sideline. There's no pass rush, right? Wide receivers at times are getting open very easily in the first half. Then what happened to the second half? Mahomes' nails. Wide receivers catch the rock and start finding these soft spots in the defense. Harrison Bucker, 6-for-6. Six Defensively, what happens? Willie Gay Jr. with massive plays. They get a pass rush. The secondary is just locked down. It was a microcosm of what we have hated seeing in the first half to what we've wanted this team to do in the second half. Now, are there still issues? You bet your ass there are. The red zone struggles continue. The tackles at times have still been an issue. But this, to me, was a massive step in the right direction. We will take a break. Come back. We'll be joined by film analyst Daniel Harms. The Zone, Sports Radio 810 WHB. It might be a new year. But Creed still slaps. <laughs> Welcome back, a good friend to the show, and that is Daniel Harms, film analyst of RGR Football. Harms, how are you? Oh man, I tell you what, it never gets old being introduced to the show with the Creed in the background every <laughs> single time. It makes me laugh, it makes me smile. It's a great way. And Happy New Year to everybody. I'm doing fantastic here. After a Chiefs win last night, man, how you doing? Uh, I am great because I realized something. Uh, the, the Chiefs 
have pulled a large prank on us. Okay, now, now hear me out. The Chiefs' wide receivers were going to do this the entire year. They're going to drop balls, not understand routes, don't get separation, and then what is their New Year's resolution going to be? <laughs> I mean, they have to catch the ball, right? Like, the New Year's resolution, everyone gets a jugs machine. For Christmas, right? And they're going to use it all all New Year. <laughs> we'll talk about the receivers a little later on because, again, I, there, there's some uh, some fun thoughts to get into. But, I, again, I'm trying to stay positive. It's a new yeah. year. The Chiefs clinched the AFC West for the eighth straight season in a row. But one of the things that was the most impressive to me was the Chiefs secondary, the high-level uh, mental decision-making, the trust of Spags, some of the passing off from secondary member to secondary member against high-level players, T. Higgins, Jamar Chase, Tyler Boyd, and they were just passing them off like it's Jason Kidd to Steve Nash. I mean, I was very impressed by the high uh, level of difficulty and success the Chiefs had in the secondary in this game. Yeah, when we watch other defenses do this against the Chiefs, like we're talking about how well-coached they are, how disciplined they are, and teams always seem to bring that, even against the Chiefs wide receivers with MBS, Justin Watson, Rasheed Rice, and anybody else has done it. We always see them get passed off so well and seamlessly. We're seeing that happen in Kansas City for, I mean, maybe the first time at this high of a level because not only do they understand the defense so well, these young players grew in it in their rookie seasons and, and so on and so forth under Spag, and they have just gotten so comfortable in it. And they have extreme talent. And when I, I, I feel like we know that Spags not only trusts these guys, but he has zero fear about putting them in any kind of situation because they still are one of the top units in defense that play man-to-man coverage in the in this NFL, which you don't really see a ton of. You see a lot of people living in zone, but the Chiefs have a ton of man coverage reps, and a lot of it is because LeJarrius Sneed can follow anybody. Yeah. It doesn't matter. He can follow any wide receiver and essentially take them out of the football game and force the quarterback to have to go other places. So you see Trent McDuffie. Joshua, Joshua Williams and Jalen Watson, the secondary members, you know, Tamari Connor, all coming in and switching off players. Earlier in the game, they had a couple miscues. I think that the Bengals came out with a good game plan to attack the linebackers and the safeties and coverage, and that showed out. But after that, that first quarter, they really, really settled in. They got much better on that, on that, from the linebacker coverage perspective. And then we just saw Legereus need and the entire secondary get after it. And when you have a guy that you can put out there on your number one, on anyone's number one, whatever team it is, and you can say, we don't have to worry about that. that. That's the ultimate chess piece for your game plan as a defensive coordinator and it allows them to be so successful and so trusting in this dynamic and complicated defense that Spags wants to run. And it's one of the biggest reasons that they're where they're at right now. What's so impressive was a, a specific play where it was a, it was a crosser, a deep post. I, I want to say it was Jamar Chase who was running it, and originally I want to say it was uh, McDuffie on someone else on man coverage, and it was the seamless yeah. transition where McDuffie just dropped back and took that away. I, I, I mean, I was blown away 
just by the ability to to have that connection, the talking in the middle of a play and the understanding. Again, as we're talking about here, I have never seen such a high-level secondary play as that. It does not get better. And that's what made me so enthused going forward. The first half, there were some struggles. Jake Browning was looking really, really good. Second half comes along. They adjust. What have you seen all season long? Because it feels like a pretty similar storyline where the Chiefs' defense actually gets better as the game goes on. Yeah, we've seen, uh, specifically over the past couple of weeks, we see offenses come out and they try to be as balanced as possible. If you can get out, you can run the ball effectively and efficiently, uh, efficiently against the Chiefs, you can move the linebackers around. You can attack the middle of the field. You can expose some of the coverage problems that they have. For everything that Nick Bolton provides as a downhill run defender and blitzer and one-on-one creation guy in blitzing situations and pass rush situations, he can be attacked in the flat. He can be attacked in coverage. And it was multiple times early in the game that we saw him having to guess a little bit between, is this going to be a run? Is it going to be a pass? And that puts him a step behind in his coverage uh, responsibilities. But I think as we get more comfortable in that, the defensive line steps up in the run game. They didn't really crank off a bunch of big runs after the first quarter and were able to get into second and longs and third and long situations. I think that's been the biggest thing. When the defensive front can come up and get your linebackers and your secondary another crack or even first crack at second and long, where Spags wants to live. They want to live in those second and long and third and long situations. And that's what this comes down to is that teams want to attack that defense running the football and being a little bit more off balance, throw to the tight ends, throw to the running backs and attack those areas because they don't want to throw at the wide receiver at the corners right now because everyone's covered. And we saw that happen throughout the whole game. Jake Browning is like getting back in the in the in his drop and he's looking down the field and he can't throw the ball because there's nobody open and then that we see that all happen. So initially I think that the even though the first quarters of the past couple of games we've seen you know the Raiders and now the Bengals kind of come out and put points up on the Chiefs. Um, I mean, the Raiders last week didn't really count. It was more of the, the first game that they played sure. uh, where they, they came out and put 17 up on the Chiefs. I think that was more indicative of, of what we've seen. Even the Patriots, to an extent, were able to do that early in the game. But when they settle in, they get an idea of what the team's going to do. That, that's, that's it. That, that's it for Steve Spagnuolo. He just needs that little bit of... I see what you're doing. You guys came in with a good game plan. We now have the information that we need to adjust. And at the end of the day, I think it's okay living in that first quarter mentality where we're not going to be so worried about the run game early. We'll, maybe we'll get lucky. Maybe one of these guys get off a block and they get into a third and long anyway. And then you have Jake Browning making a couple plays in those third and long situations too. Like that, the yeah, third, third down efficiency was excellent in the first quarter and for most of this game. And until it got later in the game, that's when we saw yeah. uh, everything kind of go away. So a fantastic job from everyone on the defense side. Joe Cullen, Dave Merritt, Steve Spagnuolo, every, and everybody in there of adjusting and getting everybody on the right page after the first quarter. Because after that, it, it was pretty much 
straps the whole game. Daniel Harms, film analyst of RGR Football, joining us right here on The Zone, Sports Radio 810 WHB. One player to fence with that really stood out to me was Charles Aminahu. Uh He made a huge difference early on in this game before the rest of the D-line really stepped up later on. W- what did you take away from Charles O as well as the entire defensive line? Because again, early on, it felt like Jake Browning had a lot of time, and Jake Browning was dictating when to roll out of the pocket, when to extend plays. But again, as we saw as the game progressed, uh, that somewhat uh, uh, buckled down as the Chiefs ended up with six sacks. Again, what was it, three, four of them coming on the final drive right there. But what did you see from the D-line as a whole? I think that his his play over the last month is really is really fired up. It's kicked up. He's comfortable. He seems to be doing much better as a run defender, holding his own on the edge. But also, he's not going to win a huge amount quickly, like in his pass rush. Like he's not a. The Chiefs don't really have that outside of Chris Jones. <laughs> they have everyone who's more of a. We work off of Chris Jones getting pressure wherever he is. That forces the quarterback out of the pocket or up into the pocket, whatever it is, and then they get some of the pressure off of that. But. What, what a many who's done a good job of is using that length. He's a long guy. He and Felix and Adike Uzama are the two guys that have the longest reach on the defensive line in, in their, in their room. And he does an excellent job of keeping that edge set with his, you know, with offhand, whatever it is inside, left hand or right hand, depending on where he's lined up. And that forces everything to the inside. We don't see a lot of teams really attack the edges. The Chiefs on. They're good at defending the edge with their line, with their, their defensive ends to an extent, but also they have a huge amount of team speed. Like the linebackers, the secondary, they all are willing to come downhill in the run game and attack. So, I mean, look at the, uh, the Miami Dolphins game. That's what they want to do. They want to spread you out and tack you in space to the outside. The first half of that game, for the, for the large majority of it, they were finding trouble doing that because of the speed they have. So, Omenichu has done a fantastic job of coming in and being that, Another chess piece where you can put him on the inside, you can put him on the outside, and he's not going to blow you away with his win percentage or his, his speed off the edge. But that length combined with the – he's kind of a lanky guy for a, still yeah. a big defensive end. He's tall, he's long, and he, he has, does have some weird Daniel Hunter kind of stuff to him. There's just some times where you're just like, I'm not entirely sure how he won there, but he was able to do it and found a way to, do, found a way to get there. So he stepped up his level of play – I really am impressed with the way he's attacking tackles in the run game and not really allowing guys to get to the outside, but crashing down and really bulldozing tackles, guards, whoever he's lined up, into the backfield. And it's creating a ton of chaos right now. And that last drive, it was everywhere. He was he was in the backfield. Carlos was in the backfield. Justin Reed was in the backfield. Chris Jones was in the backfield. It didn't really matter what happened. when it, When this – team is lined up in gotta-have-it situations for the for the opposing offense where you have to throw the ball, <laughs> I'm not sure what to do here as a quarterback, much less a backup quarterback. So he's just really stepped up his game over the last month, and it's really good to see one of the additions in the offseason come in where he had a really good game back. It was his first game back, and then he kind of went, I don't really know where he went. But he's really found himself over the past month. Daniel Harms is our guest. Let's talk about the offense now. Do you think things were simplified, especially as the game went on, Mm -hmm. as it progressed? It it did feel like they simplified things. Uh, They ran the ball effectively. They they were taking a little bit more what was given, even though they did make and connect on a couple of deep balls finally. What did you take away from the offense in this game? Well, 
I, I was keeping tabs on the personnel packages, and that's something that I've been doing more this season is keeping tabs on how many times they run 11, 12, 13 personnel, whatever it is. And this game, when I think that they talked about simplifying it, was getting their best players out on the field more often. And that matches up. And their best personnel package this season predominantly has been 12 personnel. Yes, Daniel. Daniel, how many times have you and I been screaming this? (laughs) We're talking about it all season long. I did a video two weeks ago about how it's their best personnel package. And that's exactly what they got back to this weekend. They ran the ball 18 times with Isaiah Pacheco. That's what this offense kind of has to be right now. It's not full of your playmakers that know the ins and outs of the defense that you can adjust your routes to, which we're going to get to Rasheed Rice. But you have all these other problems, okay? And one thing that we've seen over the past couple of seasons with Lou Anarumo, specifically for the Bengals, is that they will just sit in two high-safety shells and say, you're not throwing the football on us. But this season, the Bengals, specifically since week 10 and on, have been one of the highest uh, single high-safety uses in the entire NFL, and that happened again. And the Chiefs were able to force them to stay a little bit more in those one-high shells. They didn't have a huge amount of stacked boxes that usually accompanies those one-high shells, but when you can do that with a respectable run game, 7.2 yards on average for Isaiah Pacheco in this football game, that's exactly what you have to be able to do to create space. They did a good job of creating space with the run game and taking advantage of it. We saw them try to get Noah Gray the football early on in this football game, and then it goes to Rasheed Rice a little bit of forcing it to Travis Kelsey at times with that screen that you know I wasn't a huge fan of, but they got back to their screen game with Isaiah Pacheco, and then they were able to really just we were able to just really go ahead and use 12 personnel, mixed in a couple 13 at the at times there, but specifically inside the red zone. This season, they've been using a little bit more 12 personnel, which is huge for them because that hopefully will allow them to run the ball a little bit more effectively inside the 20-yard line. And at the end of the day, they've been able to hold up a little bit more in pass protection when you have some chip help, running back, an extra tight end. It's not just Travis going out for a, 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 a pass. So when they say simplified, I think that they just under – finally, after maybe hitting rock bottom last week against the Raiders, finally realized who they are, and they got back to that this week, running the ball more effectively, using more 12 personnel, and keeping their best players on the field. Two things Daniel and I love, 12 personnel and offensive line play, or should I say good offensive line play. The offensive line, especially the tackles in this game, were getting beat early. Not great. Wanya Morris, again, looking like he's getting a uh, a nice uh, introduction into the NFL the past yeah. two weeks. He, he's He's been struggling, and again, it was a little interesting to watch as Orlando Brown Jr. had a really good first half for the Bengals. Uh, things switched, though, in the second half. What did you see overall from the offensive line and the tackles? Again, to me, first half, they were getting dominated. Obviously, Hendrickson, uh, what was it, getting a strip sack on Mahomes, and he was coming off of um, he was coming off the side of Wanya Morris, and Sam Hubbard, I believe, yeah. recovered that one. Uh, but again, I, I don't think Juwan Taylor had a very good first half either. But again, as the game went on, maybe more 12 personnel, some help. What did you see from the O-line in general here? I think that they just were able to supplement their pass protection issues with a little more run game. Like, and that's kind of what, this, like I said, the team kind of has to be that at this point. They got back to that. And when you, as a defense, have to guess if they're going to run the football and you're not just teeing off on the quarterback, 
that it, it helps your offensive line. It gets them more comfortable. I also thought that Wanye, while he, he did struggle in the first half, I think he battled back much better than he did against the Raiders. He got beat all game um, by a, a lesser talented player on the defensive line that's not Max Crosby. Yeah. And then this against this uh, this Bengals front, which, which is really good. We've seen them over the past you know three years now where they've been consistent in getting after Patrick and mixing up things, mixing up stunts, being able to get one-on-ones with Trey Hendrickson. And they did a nice job of being able to – What's I'm sorry, what, sweetie? Yes, go ahead. Sorry, my daughter just wants some water. Oh, I, I was confused. Um, I didn't know if you were calling me sweetie for a second there, Daniel. I got a little concerned. I'm like, I'm like, yeah, you know I, what, I though? Him. I was like, you know what? I, I, I do want some water. Yeah, it'd be nice. <laughs> you know, the hair, uh, sometimes – Sterling. Sometimes I, I, can't, I just, I don't know. I can't control myself. It just, it just takes over. But uh, <laughs> uh, to get back to the offensive line, when I do think that I was, I was actually listening to Mitchell Schwartz on the Me and Kime show last week, and he talked specifically about how when you don't have a run game and you don't have like this offensive line, I'm paraphrasing, obviously, I'm not word for word here. Um, when the offense is struggling, like the Chiefs have been struggling, and the offensive line isn't firing off the ball, they're not being physical, they're being out physical every single game, and you have this run game that there were spots earlier in the season where we were like, yeah, that's, that's the efficiency, that's the kind of run game the Chiefs are going to need, much like in 2023, in 2022 when they won the Super Bowl. Near the end of the season, that efficient run game is the biggest reason they won the Super Bowl. Uh, outside of the game against the Bengals in the postseason, they ran the ball against everybody, and they were effective. So this game was really illustrating some of the struggles that the Chiefs have had earlier in the season and showing you that with an actual run game, you can more you can keep the defense guessing a little bit. They're not just teeing off on your quarterback and your rookie left tackle who – is late to get out of his stance and can really be beat around the edge uh, right now. Even though he is an, a good athlete, he's having trouble timing his snaps. Maybe he needs to take some some, uh, some help with Juwan Taylor learning how to time his snaps a little, his, his 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 kick flip there. No, Horms, I don't even want to, I don't even want to risk getting two tackles with, with Donovan Smith has not been playing and the penalties on on left uh, tackle has gone drastically down. I I don't care, Daniel. We're not going to add this into his uh, his arsenal here. Fine, fine, whatever you say. That's that's fine. But uh, another another point: there were no holding penalties on the offensive line in this football game. There were none. Like, that's a large portion of this whole puzzle. And I don't know whether it's the fact that they had a run game that they could fire off the ball, and they could just get guys moving, and they got themselves more comfortable and more in the football game, or if it's just that, again, last week was a, a real legitimate wake-up call. I don't really know why it, take, it took to that point to get there. But going back to just run game, some inside zone, some outside zone, a little bit of power mixed in every now and then that we did see Joe Tooney pulling from left to right a couple of times early in this football game. That first drive, I think, really helped settle them down a little bit. And But then we saw them come out the very next drive and throw the ball three times. Um, so sometimes Andy Reid can still be like, well, we had a really good drive here. Let's just go ahead and throw the football. <laughs> you know, you know, just just wait it out. Wait it out a little bit. Andy, just wait a little bit. Uh, just, just still run the ball. And it's funny, we're in 2023, and we're talking about the Chiefs having to run the ball um, as, as a team to be able to do what they did in this game against the Bengals, who, again, came out and played a very good defensive game, well-coached unit, who's not had a great season, but always brings it against the Chiefs. And that was why 
I'm so much, I'm so happier, so much happier today with the performance, even though they didn't get in the end zone a ton in this football game. The drives, the, the more sustained drives, even into opponent territory, was a big takeaway for me. And the offensive line, confidence builder, they got off and they bullied people, they moved people out of the way. And they got themselves comfortable. I think that's a huge boost for them going forward. Daniel Horms, film analyst of RGR Football, is our guest. Let's talk about the wide receivers. And again, we'll talk with a positive first. <laughs> Rasheed Rice, yeah. as the game went on, got more involved. Five receptions on six targets, 127 yards. Uh, obviously, that big catch of 67. He also was the leading snap count getter at wide receiver with yeah. 78%. That's what we want to see. Maybe we want to see the 78% number go up, but again, can't complain too much when he is the wide receiver getting the most snaps of anyone in that unit. Uh, I will say I love that he talked about how that was supposed to be a hitch route, and all of a sudden he goes, mm-hmm. you know what, I can take advantage of this, I'm going to go deep, because you know why? Mahomes knows, he can see where the weak spot is, he understands, all he wants is his wide receivers to see the same thing that he sees, and guess what, they finally saw it, he was Patrick friendly, and what happened? It was a huge gain of 67. What did you see from Rashi in this game? Um, this is the, the big moment. Like last year, we saw some of this from Sky. And, and that's kind of why we got excited. Like there was a play against the Rams where they're playing cover two and he's supposed to do, I think he was supposed to be an out route or, or so, a shorter route. And he sees it, that he goes down the field and he turns this into more of a go slash fade and sits inside that, that cover two spot on the left hand side of the field. Mahomes hits him. I, that's what we were going to assume we'd see more this year from him. Obviously that now with an injury and the issues he had earlier in the season, that didn't come to fruition, <clears throat> but we're seeing that from Rishi Rice. And I think that what this comes down to for me is that they basically said all year, you came out of SMU as a vertical, go win the ball football player. And that's awesome. But you're in the NFL now. You're going to learn how to play in zone. You're going to get the ball in your hands. You're going to use your explosiveness. We're going to get you some easy touches. And as the season goes along, we're going to mess around a little bit. You think back to the first game against the Raiders where not only did he have that huge drag route for a touchdown, but he caught that football over Amik Robertson on a one-on-one situation where it's just him and Patrick throwing it up and letting him go get it. Now we get this play where he adjusts his route. The biggest, the biggest issue for most receivers in having to adapt to Andy Reid's offense is the amount of different routes that can be run from the exact same play based on the coverage look. And like you talked about, Patrick is very much, I know the ins and outs of every single wide receiver route that needs to be run based off of this coverage and every single coverage that this defense is going to show. Think about how much information that is and how much just the quarterback has on his plate. And now we see wide receivers who don't have to worry about pass rush. They don't have to worry about your offensive line protecting. You don't have to worry about getting through your reads, not being able to see the same stuff that he's seeing while he's doing all this other stuff. And we get Rasheed Rice comes in. Rookie season, again, not having to do any of this at SMU, like, at all. And we're starting to see the production. We're starting to see the adjustments. And having a player, that has to be, that has to feel so good for Patrick Mahomes to see that happen in that moment. Like a, a kind of a, a relief. And that ball was perfect, by the way. Yeah. We've seen some, some, some throws from Patrick this season that haven't been as on the money. But all three of the deep shots that they took, you can argue a little bit the, the one to MVS was slightly over, but 
we, we all know that MVS's hands are wide open. Um, you know, like with well, arms wide open. You man. know what? No, no, we're, we're, we're getting here now. Okay, we're we're getting here now. <laughs> what was what was MVS doing? Is this COVID rule six feet in between each hand? Like it, it looked like Sammy Watkins running away from uh, Richard Sherman in the Super Bowl. What the hell was MVS doing with his hands? How do you catch a football when you're trying to show someone and you're lying? Of course, how big of a fish you caught i have zero idea what mvs was doing and then he decides you know what's a good idea i've been dropping balls all season long mahomes has been falling on the sword for me non-stop so what am i gonna do there's a ball that's slightly thrown behind me hits me right in both of my hands and i'm gonna on national television complain and try and act like yeah mahomes that's that's behind me guy what? This is asinine. This is absurd. I am so out. I am so done. Like, <laughs> Mahomes has basically been saying, yeah, I'm taking the blame, man. I've been rubbing butter on MVS's hands before every single game. <laughs> and MVS has the audacity, the absolute gall to try and show Mahomes up on national television. I am all the way out. You know, it's, it's very fitting that we just passed through Christmas season because that was a very Grinch-like rant when uh, – Timmy Lou, who comes into his lair, he just goes on the big rant. Uh, the unmitigated gall of MVS to say that Patrick Mahomes could have put that ball in a better spot where, you know, he's being dragged down by a defender at the same time he's throwing it. But, hey, Patrick, could you throw it in front of me a little bit so that I can drop it there instead? Oh, hey, when he me? does throw it in front of him, what happens? He drops it. Where else can he throw the ball? I don't know. I don't know. All, all I know is that if you guys want to hear my rant on MVS, you can go watch the live stream from last night post game on our <laughs> football.com um, I'm glad that Sterling got that out of the way because I'm I'm not, I'm not going to go on the rant everyone again if you guys want to see my takes on MVS in terms of the frustration level that I'm at that I've been all season and that I shouldn't have even let myself be talked into a, a good season from MVS this year you'll watch all that on rgfootball.com tons of rants and just the, the simple the simple fact of the matter is that there's nothing that he's bringing to this offense. There's nothing. You can't, you cannot continue to say that he deserves to be one of the three wide receivers that plays the most snaps in this offense. It's been a fact for a long time. It's been a problem for his entire career catching the football. He has poor catch con- um, catch technique. We saw it on the deep ball. His hands are too far apart all the time. He does not fight back to the football 90% of the time. When he's downfield, he'll just stop and wait for it to drop. It, it's that's just who he is. Okay, um, I believe that the game against the Bengals in the AFC Championship saved his roster spot. I, I believe it fully, one hundred percent. That he was not going to be on the roster this year had he not had that football game against the the Bengals in the AFC Championship. So, I don't. I'm not entirely sure what you know. It, there's nothing. Like I said, there's nothing he does that somebody else can't do. At this point, Justin Watson. Should be taking his role one hundred percent of the time. Yeah, Get, he, 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 he rise a little bit more. Here's a snap count and breakdown for you, Daniel, really quickly, because because I'm with you. Just just want to give you uh, and, and all the listeners a little little heads up here. So we mentioned Rasheed Rice played 78 percent of snaps. MVS came in, clocked in the second most snaps for wide receivers. I have zero idea how he was back on the field after the uh, the showing up of Mahomes. He played at 70 percent of snaps. Justin Watson all the way down at 44 percent, and then Richie James coming in at 22 percent of snaps. It's honestly at this point, it's it's inexcusable. 
And I'm not sure what else he has to do to get takes off the field. He's done everything that you could not want him to do. And then the attitude stuff that we heard in, in the, the one of his interviews a few weeks ago in, in the locker room where he talked about not being able to – I'm not going to be able to catch every ball. Like, I'm sorry. I understand that that's not a realistic possibility for everybody, but I want you to have the mentality like you're going to, right? We all want to see people go out there and say, yeah, I'm going to go get this football. I'm going to catch this one. And, and we don't see that. So the wide receiver stuff this season – it's been a snafu. It's been a huge distraction. But the one bright spot has been Rasheed Rice learning from all the stuff, even with some of the drops he's had. He has had drops this year, quite a few of them. But the big difference is that he's learning, he's getting better, and he's still productive. Mm-hmm. Nobody else outside of the occasional Justin Watson pass that he nearly dropped in this game, too, uh, was beautifully dropped in the bucket and it nearly fumbled on his hands and he almost dropped it, but he didn't. Again, great job to not drop that football. And and then you have a couple plays now from Richie James where I would like to see him get more involved in the offense. You know, McCole Harbin had, I believe, a snap or two last, uh, last night. That's going to be something else. To five. Who also he had, five snaps? Okay. He had five snaps last night, and Justin Ross came in with seven. Yeah. Yeah, he had – I mean, really, we saw Justin Ross on the field in the red zone. Like, that was pretty much yeah. his package. Like, you, go go out there. You're, we're in the red zone. You're a big body. Um, and uh, at this point, man, McCole Hardman, if you're, if you're good, go out there and run down the field. Yep. Like, I, I know what MBS is doing. You, you can go do that, too. <laughs> go, go ahead. Please do. I just find it interesting that we finally see Rasheed Rice run a deep route and what happens, they connect right away. The other right. time I remember Rasheed Rice running a deep route, what happened, he drew pass interference. Uh, yeah. I do wonder if the, uh, again, maybe not until they show me, we live in the show me state, Missouri here, until they show us, maybe we shouldn't believe it, but I would be hard-pressed to believe MVS continues to get 70% of snaps going forward. I know we have to take a break. Daniel Harms, film analyst of RGR Football. Make sure you follow him on Twitter at M at in harm's way 19 harm's always a pleasure happy new year always man everyone please have a happy new year stay safe today we will take a break come back the zone sports radio 810 whb welcome back to the zone again sterling holmes filling in for jason anderson and josh briscoe you want to follow me on Twitter? You can at HomestretchKC. So Richie James caught a punt in the end zone last night, which was fascinating to watch. Um, if you know me, I love Richie James. Didn't love that move, but I did love that he caught the ball and was still able to bring it out to what the ten yard line, eight yard line. Wasn't quite the disaster we all thought it was going to be. By the way, I didn't even know you could catch the ball in the end zone. I literally didn't know that was allowed. I was befuddled. I felt like an auto touchback. I've never seen anyone do that before, so I didn't know what to expect. But Richie James on Twitter says, quote, I told myself if we called that return, I was going to feel it regardless. He didn't give me the kick I wanted, and I was still trying to be aggressive. At the end of the, uh, at the end of it, you make a decision and live with it, end quote. I like it, man. He's able to laugh at himself. Uh, he had a huge return later in the game in grand scheme of things. He caught the ball, yeah. baby. And he made up for it. He caught the ball! Yeah. That's all we've been asking, baby. So Richie James found a way to make lemonade out of lemons. We will take a break. Come back. We'll be joined by Matt Derrick of Chiefs Digest. 
The Zone, Sports Radio 810 WHB. Welcome back to The Zone. Sterling Holmes filling in for Jason Anderson. Joined now by Matt Derrick of Chiefs Digest. Matt, how are you? I am doing well, Sterling. Happy New Year to everybody and yourself and Kyle and everybody. Did you make it to midnight? Did you do it? Um, I was. Not by choice. Just, just, just work. So, you know. <laughs> so you had a huge celebratory drink then, right? You just crushed a bottle of champagne by yourself. I get it. Um, not even that. I mean, I barely crushed a bottle of water. But you know. wow, wow! Come on, Matt, Matt! <laughs> you, you, exciting you, life I lead. You gotta stay hydrated, my guy. You gotta yeah. stay hydrated. Big. I'm a big liquid dude. Okay. I always perpetually am walking around with at least one to two liquids in my hands. I have zero room to like open doors typically because there's a coffee and a water at least in my hands. I mean, I'm not I'm not a big coffee guy, but water. You're absolutely right. That is the key to life, Sterling. So you are you are on the way to a long and healthy and fruitful life if you uh, are if you're a liquids guy. Yeah, I don't know though. I'm a, I'm a fan of the Chiefs, Missouri Tigers, and Royals. So I don't know how long I'll live. I might have the water in me, but my heart might give out. Uh, let's talk about the Chiefs game, 25-17 victory over the Bengals. They clinched the AFC West for the eighth straight year in a row. Uh, there was some good. There was some bad. There's some excitement. There's also, at least in my opinion, still some reason for concern. Let's start with the positive, and that is they left with a victory. What did you take away? from the offense and defense first half they struggled second half it seemed like they figured a lot of things out what's your overall takeaway uh, overall takeaway here yeah defensively I, I felt like that Steve Spagnuolo was just kind of you know feeling his punches a little bit in the first half um, you know they, were, they have a lot of concerns about the Bengals and just how they can attack because they've been beaten by Cincinnati both ways they've been beaten by the run game um, they've been beaten by the screen game they've been beaten downfield and they were really trying to cover everything, I thought, in the first half and kind of defense against it a little bit. And so, you know, yeah, I mean, I think they were kind of you know, pulling their punches a little bit, trying not to play too aggressive, just trying to make sure that they didn't get beat on a big play and kind of take that away. In the second half, I mean, you showed what can happen. I mean, the Chiefs, you know, once they got the lead, especially uh, there in the, in the fourth quarter, and were really able to kind of play aggressively and, and force the Bengals into throwing a little bit more, uh, that's when they're at their best. I mean, and that's why, I mean, this Chiefs team can be dangerous because if they can find a way to play with a lead with this defense, they're going to be a problem in the playoffs. They just have to get that lead. Because um, I think you can see just how good this defense can be when it's contended years back and really go after teams. They did that in the second half, especially in the fourth quarter, and against the rookie quarterback, that fared pretty well for them. Yeah, I, I was looking at some of the plays from, from last night's game, and I thought the secondary as a whole was one of the most impressive performances I have seen, just the high-level ability of passing receivers off from zone to man, just a little bit of everything. You, you know, Spags was was confusing. It looked like Jake Browning a lot as the game went on. The offense, or the defensive line for Kansas City I, I thought was doing a poor job early of getting pressure, but of course, as the game went on, they started to get more and more and more, and obviously that comes in play when the secondary is locking down every single person. In your mind, was this one of the more important 
impressive, more complex defensive, especially secondary performances of the season? Yeah, I mean, especially with some of the challenges that they were facing. I mean, not only did you have Legereus Sneed banged up and not really practicing all week, and as Andy, Andy Reid kind of came coming from his sickbed <laughs> with the calf strain and going out there and playing the way he did on Jamar Chase and holding him to just three catches, 41 yards, that was impressive. But then, you know, and, and the Chiefs got a little bit of a break when Tyler Boyd banged up, got banged up and left the game for a bit, you know, and, and then when he came back, it probably wasn't 100% because – it seemed to me earlier that one of the things the Bengals was trying to do was to isolate Boyd and get him matched up against either Jalen Watson or Joshua Williams. They, you know, they kind of wanted to avoid Snead and McDuffie a little bit. And, and they had success on the first drive. I mean, Boyd had a big catch on the first drive. But after that, they are, and I think I keep saying Boyd, I mean T. Higgins. I, I, think, I, I knew what you meant. Yeah. You, you meant T. Higgins, yeah. Higgins, yeah. <laughs> keep saying Boyd. They got too many, too many good, good, good pass catchers on that team. <laughs> but Higgins, and, and, you know, and after that, I mean, even when he came back in, was not effective. I mean, they really shut him down. And so I think that's a credit to those two guys for playing as well as they did in that third corner role. But um, McDuffie played really well. And give credit to the, to the linebacking crew, too, because mm. um, even though you know I, I, they, they did challenge Nick Bolton a little bit in the first half uh, in the passing game, um, they really, I mean, they hold mixing the 3.1 yards a carry. That was a really strong performance, and so I, I don't. I, th- I think it was a well-rounded, you know, especially when you throw in the, the way that they off the defensive line played in the second half, a really well-rounded performance for the entire defense. Yeah, you look at the Bengals overall: thirty-two rushes for a hundred and four yards. That is a great job by the Chiefs' defense right there. I want to talk about Travis Kelsey for a moment here with you, Matt Derrick. Of course, is our guest. How do you view this performance from him? Because obviously the Chiefs won, but they did struggle at times. Times, especially moving the ball once they got into the red zone. Travis Kelsey threw receptions for targets, and the Bengals' game plan was to take him away. We saw the same thing with the Patriots, take Travis Kelsey away. Now in this one, Rasheed Rice stepped up big. Isaiah Pacheco, very effective on the ground. But overall, do you have any concerns that teams were doing a nice job just taking away Travis Kelsey and the Chiefs? Again, in this one, they were, they were fine. They scored 25 points. That was enough to get it done. But that's the Bengals against Jake Browning. Will that be enough to get it done against a team like the Ravens, a team like the Bills or the Dolphins in the playoffs? Uh, probably not, because if if teams are going to continue to play the, the Chiefs this way, and you know, honestly, I mean, they're not doing a ton different than teams have done in the past, but they just know that right now Travis Kelsey is banged up and he's not himself, and so now I think they feel even more comfortable with with double teaming him because now they feel like a. You know, it's a, a double team now instead of, you know, holding Travis Kelsey to like maybe 70 yards instead of 150. Yeah. <laughs> now I feel like a double team can result in this kind of games, you know, where he just, just only gets like 16 yards. So, yeah, I mean, I think there's even more value now for teams to, to really kind of keep him hemmed in because they feel like there's so much, you know, return on investment, if you will. On, on doubling down, even tripling down on Kelsey, uh, because no one else has really given them a reason to give them any attention. They feel like they can play everybody else in single coverage. Um, Rasheed Rice should start to be changing people's minds, that maybe you do need to shade a little bit more towards him, pay a little bit more attention, um, at least you know play a safety over the top. I mean, the Bengals had a breakdown on the big play where they didn't have anybody over the top on Rice, and he made them pay for it. Um, that's that's the thing. I mean, if if, you're, if teams are going to give that much attention to Travis Kelsey, then there's going to be one-on-one matchups all across the field. 
and somebody's going to win those. And right now, Rasheed Rice is starting to show that he can be the guy to win those. But and then if they, you know, teams start shading him a little bit differently, then you really you have to have two guys. I mean, you can't just have one. I mean, that's why the, when the Chiefs' offense was at its best, it wasn't just you know Kelsey and Hill. It was because they had a third legitimate target and somebody who, who could hurt you. Um, that's what they need. And, and right now, there hasn't been that player to step up and really be that third target. If they can get somebody hot in the postseason and get on a run and be a reliable third option, then, yeah, I mean, this is why this team, to me, is still a legitimate threat because if you've got Kelsey and now you've got Rasheed Rice going, you're, you're really just one guy in a hot streak away from – Looking like a pretty good offense. Uh, Richie James. Yeah, we'll go with Richie James. That, that's who I'm... That would be the guy. I am still hitching my wagon, Matt. Okay? My wagon is still hitched to Richie James. Uh, going back to Travis Kelce, the Chiefs, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, I believe they have the th- uh, three spot locked up no matter which way, whether whether they win or whether they lose, which means you're probably going to see a lot of dudes sitting for Kansas City. But then you look at Travis Kelce. He's only 16 yards away from 1,000 yards. Now, I understand a 1,000-yard season might... Might not mean the most as it uh, might not mean as much as it did in the past, especially with the 17th game. I get all that stuff, but he's going for eight straight seasons over a thousand yards, which for a tight end is completely and utterly unheard of. Do you think he plays Week 18? I really don't know. I mean, my my head says no that that he wants the rest and, and will take the rest. Um, I, I think there'll be a lot of people around him in the organization who will try to say, Hey, Travis, just go out there and get your 16 yards and, and shut it down. You don't have to, you don't have to work very hard in practice this week. You can take it easy. Uh, just go out there for a few snaps. We'll just throw the ball at you, you know, religiously to get you those 16 yards and then get out of there. Uh, probably wouldn't be to me a whole lot different than what the Chiefs did in 2017. Yeah. When Mahomes made his start and they gave Kareem Hunt enough carries just to make sure he got the AFC rushing title, the NFL rushing title. Um, so that to me is, that's the way that I can see it going. I mean, that's, and that's what my gut says. My head, like I said, says, would say that I think Travis will take the time off. I think the only catch is that, and that makes it difficult for the Chiefs is that if, you know, if, if you if you have Travis play and he's going to go out there and try to get his 16 yards, I, I think there's other guys who are going to want to play with him just to make sure he's not alone. I mean, I think yeah. Mahomes will want to be out there and make sure he gets his 16. And and that's not what you need. I mean, you really, I mean, to me, I, I would be, if I'm the Chiefs, I, I think I would even uh, elevate Chris Oladokun this week to be the backup quarterback behind Blaine Gabbert. Just not 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 worry about Patrick having to play at all, but sure. um, you know that uh, to me, I mean it's it's a, it's a it's a tricky one. There's a few players, you know, that now with like a guy with Chris Jones. I mean, if Chris is really worried about the bonus money, if it, if it hasn't already been guaranteed to him, Chiefs could just write the check and say, "Hey, don't worry about it, Chris. You got ten sacks in our minds." Yeah. Uh, but you know, ever she writes, you know, it could be kind of a thousand yard season. I mean, oh, dude, ahead. Matt, Matt, I looked at Chris Jones. I was wondering how close he was. He is nine and a half. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, oh. like I said, you know, I mean, if if it hasn't already been promised to him, you know, the Chiefs, you, you're like, want to let him to rest? You can say, hey, Chris, here's a check. You, you can sit down. You're okay. Yeah, it, it's it's tough because obviously the, the team comes first, this, that, and the other. But when you look back at players' careers. No one's going to look back in 10 years and say, yeah, but you know, Travis Kelsey sat that last game because he was trying to get healthy for the playoffs. You're going to look back and say, wow, he was 16 yards away from eight straight 1,000 yard seasons, right? I think it's just a really tough legacy 
conversation. Obviously, he's in the Hall of Fame. Obviously, grand scheme of things, it doesn't mean a lot. I don't see a tight end ever catching uh, eight straight thousand-yard seasons, right, or even seven straight. It seems absurd to me. But again, it's one of those hard decisions the Chiefs will have to make. Um, when it comes to a decision that's hard for the Chiefs to make, they obviously are not doing it, and that's keep putting MVS out there on the field. 70% of snaps in this game, second most from any wide receiver, even after he tried to show up Mahomes on that uh, throw that was, I don't know, six inches behind him. Yeah, because it's not like MVS has ever let down Mahomes this season. Not a, not once. Not once, and not, not, not ever has Mahomes ever taken the blame for him. Uh, yeah, MVS has clearly always been in the right this year. That, to me, was just absurd, but yet that happened, and he continued to go out there and get snaps. I don't understand this. Justin Watson, um, I would love to see him more, which is crazy for me to say. I want to see way more Richie James. He played 22% of snaps. You know, I'm not a big Justin Ross guy. Sorry, his year at Clemson, the great freshman year, that was not last year. We're getting to Josh Gordon territory now, okay? But either way, I'm I'm ready to see more of him than MVS at this point. Are we ever going to see less Marquez? I mean, I, I'm guessing no. I mean, because at this point, suddenly taking a guy from that kind of level of snap counts to zero or, you know, single digits, anything like that, so all of a sudden taking him from number two to number five in the depth chart going into the playoffs, I mean, it seems counterintuitive. You know, it's not something a lot of teams do, but the Chiefs have stuck with him. They've been trying to get him through this slump, and so far nothing has really worked. Uh, I I don't know I don't know I don't know if there's any reason for them to expect the, the the switch to flip or anything I mean some guys are like that I mean you've obviously we've obviously still sure. seen it in this town that some guys have another gear that they can get into in the postseason and maybe Marquez will show that um, but this has been a really tough year for him it, you know it hasn't really been at any point where it looks like he's been able to get in stride and get any momentum going um, it is perplexing to me I still don't understand. You know, the Richie James situation, unless it's just more to do with Monday through Saturday than on Sundays, because everything that we've seen of Richie James, even go back to training camp, yep. seems like he should be a guy that's built for this offense. So uh, the coaches know more than I do about the situation. So uh, you, you kind of have to trust their instincts on that one. But, I mean, every time I see Richie James catch the ball, it's like, gosh, he really should be getting the football more. Yeah. Yep, he, and you and I, I remember sitting by, uh, sitting right by you at uh, was it training camp the last day, and we're sitting there going, "Man, Richie James, Richie James, why?" I'm again, I, I don't understand it when it comes to uh, MVS. Just one last thing here: is part of it his contract? Like, do you, do you think part of it is it's so hard to understand how a guy who has been so consistently inconsistent, but he's been consistently inconsistent for how many years now, right? And you're always expecting to have him uh, have a game or two or three or four where you're sitting there going, okay, yeah, but MVS actually made an impact in this one. We have not seen a game like this uh, this season. How much of it is the contract as well saying it's, it's so hard for them to understand it's a sunk cost? At some point, it doesn't matter. It's a sunk cost. They realize that with CEA saying, yeah, we drafted him in the first, but it does not matter where we drafted him. We move on. It's a sunk cost. It's not going to change. Do you think part of that is happening with MVS, or is that completely out of the equation here? Yeah, I mean, I would normally say that it doesn't matter that much. I mean, you know, the the salary to degrees are relevant because, like you said, I mean, you've already given the money. You've already paid it. It's not like you can walk away from the deal at this point. 
Um, and if there's somebody who's making $800,000 who's not making 8.5 this year that you can, you know, it was planned better, you're, you're going to play that guy no matter what the cost is. So I can't imagine that the Chiefs are just saying, well, you know, hey, we, we put this much money into him, might as well get our money's worth or anything. I mean, it, I, that to me doesn't make a whole lot of sense when they could be, you know, going with younger guys who maybe more have more experience. But then I do get the other part of it, which is that I mean, there's, a, I mean, he is their most experienced receiver. There are things that he should be better at than the other guys, and he certainly, you know, probably knows the the offense better than most of the other guys. Being in year two, I mean, you still have a lot of young players. They may still see some value. There's maybe there's some leadership on the field as far as you know the other receivers go that we're not seeing. There's to me, there's got to be something that Andy Reid and, and Matt Nagy and those guys are seeing that tells them that hey, they need to stick with him or that there's some value to having him on the field. I can't tell you what it is because I haven't <laughs> haven't haven't always seen it. But I mean, there's there's got to be, and one of them absolutely could just be that. You know, some of the other guys, like a Justin Ross, for instance, we bring him up. I mean, Justin Ross, this is, for all intents and purposes, just you have to think about this as his rookie year because he didn't play last year. Um, you know, really the only thing he could do was mental work. And like you said, I mean, it's been a few years since he's had a full full season. I mean, his number of games over the last three years coming into 2023 was minimal. I mean, basically almost not even quite an entire season's worth of games. So there's a lot of you know just greenery there, and and the Chiefs, you know, didn't prep him to play all three roles this year, so he'd only be playing one position. You know, who would he be taking off the field? Honestly, I mean, the, the guy that he would be taking snaps from would be Rasheed Rice, and that's not the guy that yeah. you want to be taking snaps from. Yeah. So you know, I mean, they have specific things in the offense for him and specific packages. I know you're, you're probably going to see some targets to him, and even in the postseason, if they get into one of those spots where it's, it's a it's a Ross play. But just because of his experience, his level of the playbook, his comfort in the offense, I mean, you're not going to see him as an every-down receiver this year. Just, you know, wait until next year. See what happens. Matt Derrick of Chiefs Digest is our guest right here at The Zone at Sports Radio 810 WHB. In regards to Donovan Smith versus Wanye Morris, right? Donovan Smith has been injured with the neck, sting, whatever you want to call it, for a few weeks now. Wanye Morris is filled in, looked really good week one, in my opinion. Last week against the Raiders, I thought he looked really, really bad. He got a little welcome to the NFL. And then against the Bengals, first half, I thought he was bad yet again. The second half, he really battled, fought back, and quite, quite frankly, I think put together a really nice second half. When, when Donovan Smith gets healthy, who takes over? Who keeps the starting job as we head into the playoffs? Yeah, it's it's a really good question. I mean, and probably one you know legitimate question is 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 he going to get healthy this year? I mean, sure. um, he had that stinger, and then it kind of you know recurred a couple of times. So you know, it has been tough for him. And one year, I mean, to be honest, I mean, has has for a rookie left tackle. I mean, has been about what you'd expect. I mean, there have been some up and down moments. You know, you knew it wasn't always going to be perfect. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm with you. I mean, I think it, it has been kind of you know up and down a little bit. Although that second half, I thought I think he did a lot better. Um, it, depending on how much trust you put in PFS, which you know I'm a, a skeptic of of times. I mean, they they graded yesterday as his best game, so. <laughs> Uh, I'm skeptical, man. I, I they do a great job a lot of the time, but sometimes it, it doesn't smell the sniff test, right? Wanye Morris having yesterday's his best game doesn't sm- doesn't pass a sniff test compared to his first game. Uh, Legereus Sneed being ranked where he is does not pass the sniff test to me. 
I guess technically speaking, I guess it was his second best start. It was it was very even with New England, but uh, it was his best game pass blocking. Um, which, and they've they've been very 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 you know appreciative of him in, in his pass protection so far this year. That yeah. there's a lot of people around the team will say, yeah, that's the one area where he probably needs the most work. Um, so yeah, I mean, I I, I mean. I would be tempted to go ahead and stick with Wanya because he's playing well, and that's going to be your guy for next year. Um, his contract situation is kind of the other way around. I mean, you know, you don't have a lot invested in, in Donovan Smith. He was going to be a stopgap for you anyway. You're not paying him a ton of money, so not really, you know, missing anything by not playing him. Uh, I could certainly see the, you know, the, the the playoff experience paying off for you there, and maybe that's why you want to go with him, especially. You know you're gonna you know see more of the elite pass rushers in the playoffs, and that's one thing that hey you know Max Crosby elite pass rusher, and that's mm-hmm. where Wanye struggled when he had him a, a few times. Yeah, that's that's gonna happen uh, against New England. Cincinnati was a better better test than New England was, um, but it, he, and he held up. He got better in the second half. I mean that's one of the things you want like to see is you know a guy who you know maybe faces somebody new for the first time and learns what they've got and improves. That's that's a good sign. So. I don't know. I could see it going both ways. It's a coin toss to me. If it's healthy, I mean, I know most teams and, and coaches would say, hey, you're going to go with the guy who had the job and the veteran and whomever you trust the most. But in this case, I mean, I think Wanya's done enough to say that he's, he's earned the job, too. When it comes to some of the overarching views here, as far as some of the same issues that, that reared its head, less penalties in this game, right? Only three penalties for 39 yards. That was nice. The uh, uh, no, no really holdings or, or, or a ton of false starts and the tackles. That was beautiful to see. Uh, drops were down a little bit, right? Uh, MVS obviously had one. I think that deep ball where he kept his hands again about six feet apart. That that not a drop, but uh, come on now. Uh, and then Justin Watson had one other one that would have been an incredible catch. Didn't happen, but uh, you know some of the same issues where fifty-fifty balls don't necessarily go the Chiefs' way with receivers. You still have a turnover. You lose the turnover margin yet again in this game. Not an interception, but it was a Mahomes fumble when he was getting sacked. But yet the Chiefs win twenty-five seventeen. And oh yeah, the red zone struggles continue. Three trips, only one conversion. H- how do you view this game? Right, you beat your arch rival. I get that. You knock him out of the playoffs. You shut Jamar Chase up. Although for some reason. And he will not continue to stop talking, but yet some of the same issues they're still there lurking underneath. Yeah, they are. I mean, the one the one bright side I would say, obviously, is that you know in the the glasses half full category, Sterling is that hey, the Chiefs had seven scoring drives, so it's a lot of scoring drives. <laughs> just like a few of them not to be field goals. Uh, but that's one thing that they had just been struggling with even doing is being able to get in a scoring position and even and getting field goals. So that's a plus in my book. Um, but you're right. I mean, the, the red zone struggles were a problem. Um, hey, at least none of the drops turned into interceptions. That's obviously been some bad luck. So I guess you could say, hey, it's a step forward. Um, but, no, I mean, I think we have to accept that this team is this team. And, you know, if it's – if it's going to win in the playoffs, it's going to be because they've finally found a way to put four clean games in a row. However, however long this the streak runs, you know what that they managed to finally play some clean football, and that's something I haven't done. I mean, you know, I was looking at it yesterday because this interested me. Um, you know, this team has turned over the football over four, in fourteen games. They got a chance to make it fifteen next week. The team record was sixteen. 
So not going to break the record, but, you know, in, in a 17-game season, they can set a whole new mark. But even in that, you know, looking at the times that the Chiefs have turned over the football in that many games, uh, you know, this season in 1966, when they lost Super Bowl one, are the only two winning seasons of any time that they've turned the ball over in 14 or more games. And I think there were like maybe about 16 seasons altogether in which that's happened. So you're talking about a lot of losing football or 500 football when you turn over the football that much. I mean, this team, if it just doesn't turn over the football, can win a lot of games. So that to me is, is the key. I mean, if you can protect the football in the playoffs, this, this team can go further than you think. I, 100% with you. 100% with you, but when people keep saying, you know, the, the Chiefs are a team that shoots themselves in the foot. They're, if they clean this up, the turnovers and stuff, I'm not saying you're saying this necessarily, but if you clean this up, they're, they're a great team. They're, they're a good team, really solid offensively. I go, that's fine and dandy, but as the stats you're bringing up shows, they do it every game. This is who they are. They are a team that typically loses their turnover battle. They are a team that is heavily penalized. This is who they are. If they don't turn the ball over, that's the outlier in a game, right? I mean, if, if this is a team that is not having dropped penalties and turning the ball over, you're looking at this saying, that was actually the outlier. That, that, that typically does not happen with this current iteration of this team. Yeah, and that, to, I mean, that once again, that to me is indicative of the fact that this, that this is what this team is, that you mm-hmm. have to just accept that that's who it is. They're not going to necessarily change their stripes. But we also we talked about, hey, they're a team that drops the football. They're a team that has committed more penalties than they normally do. Uh, I mean, if you're gonna if you're gonna focus on any one of those, I mean, this week, you know, in the next two weeks, if you're the Chiefs, and there's one thing that you can possibly clean up, it is just that is the one and only thing that you can do. I mean, I don't think that that you know, focusing on the penalties. I think you've done what you can. You've cleaned it up as best you can. Drops to a certain degree. I don't think you're going to really be able to control that. But if you simply preach protecting that precious football, as Andy Reid will call it, uh, I mean, that's the number one thing that, sh- that this team can do to most improve itself. I mean, you can eliminate everything else. I mean, and if, and if this team ends up losing in the postseason because of a drop pass or a bad penalty, I mean, you, you can't really fault them. I mean, you're, gonna, you're just absolutely going to say, well, that's who this team was. But if they if they lose because of a bunch of turnovers, you're going to say, well, yeah, that is who this team was. But it was also because that was purely by I mean intentional. I mean self inflicted. I mean they they just did not do anything to clean that up. They didn't put any extra attention on on changing that. And you know because I I do think that I, I'm I'm one of those people who do believe that turnovers to a degree are a little bit in your control. And, and I think Andy Reid would even agree with that, that there's decisions that you can make. I mean, there's things you can do, when you're, whether you're running the football, you're throwing, whatever it is. You can make the decision not to make that pass. You can, you, you're the one that made the choice whether or not to protect the football. You know, to wrap a second arm around it, yeah. to carry it high, all those, tuck it in your elbow, those three points, all those things. <laughs> you're the one that chose to do that. So to me, I mean, yeah, you're going to have turnovers that the defense earns, but I, I think you have a lot more control of those in that area than some people think. Matt Derrick, Chief Digest, is our guest. Um, Before I let you go, I want to talk about the standings really quickly and just the potential matchup going forward. Obviously, Baltimore clinches with the one. Miami right now in the two. The Chiefs, again, in the three, and it looks like they cannot move, which right now, if the season were to end, uh, the Chiefs are playing the Bills. 
Um, not great. That's the team of any of the wild card teams I think you don't want to play right now. You have Cleveland in the five, Bills in the six, Colts in the seven, and then on the outside looking in, Texans eight and Steelers nine. What do you think? Is it going to be Chiefs, Bills, week, uh, or I guess playoff game one? What, what are you thinking here? It's really, I mean, so weird. I mean, you know, yeah, obviously it's, it's crazy to me to think that Buffalo could still win the East, obviously, if they if they beat Miami on Sunday. Um, that would be a huge one. But, um, yeah, other, I mean, and, and that's, that's the thing. I mean, if Buffalo wins that game, then, I mean, Miami's locked in to come into Kansas City. Yeah. So, you know, to a degree, you think about it, I mean, there's a 50-50 chance that it's just Miami. And we haven't really talked about that possibility that much. Um, the other outcomes, yeah, I mean, Buffalo, I mean, I feel like Buffalo might end up being the most likely outcome because of just what has to happen for Buffalo to get the sixth seed. I mean, if Miami wins, then I think there's a fairly reasonable chance that that's where it falls. But, I mean, good grief, any of the if the wild card coming out of the south with you know or the it could really you know creak things up a little bit yeah i mean it's because if buffalo loses and one of those teams ends up 10 and 7 i mean there's still a chance that it i mean pittsburgh could still end up being the please that gets it please give give me mason rudolph <laughs> i mean i think it's, i think in the playoff scenarios i saw today it's still what five different teams that could end up being that six seed yeah between jacksonville indy houston pittsburgh and buffalo and so and miami so I mean, yeah, it's 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 crazy that it's that many different teams that could be in that spot because usually you're just thinking it's going to be maybe two or three, uh, and and even when you are locked into a seed like the Chiefs are. But other than what I guess Miami's the one, or the, excuse me, that Baltimore's the one, Chiefs are the three, and I think Cleveland is pretty much locked in as the five. I mean, other than that, it's it's all wide open. All right, Matt. Before I let you go, I lied. This is my final. It's not even a question. It's more of a statement. We always end with something musical, right? You're a big power ballad yes. guy, uh, but I'm not going to go power ballad route this time with you, Matt. Okay, I, I, I'm doing a self-reflective start of the new year, want to feel old type situation because I felt old, Matt. Okay, I had to take a nap after the the evening or the night game for for football before midnight hit. Right, I had to take about a 45 minute power nap just to stay up. So that's how I knew I felt old. But this actually made me feel older. Okay, you know the song 1985 by Bowling for Soup, right? Yes, love it. Do you know when that song came out? Oh, man. Longer ago than I probably think, although I I should say that I am a a ridiculously big Bowling for Soup fan, so... Um, I want to say, like, maybe 2006? 2004, which, do you know what that means? Um, it means it's 19 years old. Uh, it, uh, yes, well, correct. And it's now 20 <laughs> years old, technically, because we're in 24, True. Uh, 2004. <laughs> and guess how long 1985 was to 2004? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, let that one sink in. Okay. Let, wow. let the, when they're talking about 1985 being so long ago, so old, this, that, and the other, right? We're actually closer. That song was closer to then than we are now to when that song came out in 04. Well, I think it's even worse for those of us who were in junior high in, in 1985 rather than not being born yet. So. Uh, be, I was ne- I was negative nine. You're, you are correct, but uh, <laughs> but my music taste. What I, I listened to the to Black Sabbath Volume Four today. I listened to the entire thing front to back before I came in here, and that came out in '72. I'm an old soul, okay, old soul, Matt Derrick. 
Here's a question for you, though. Do you do you consider anything that's in, in Bowling Soup's catalog to be a power ballad? Oh, I don't think so. I don't. I, I mean, I'm kind of thinking. I guess it almost had you is not, but what what would even be close for girl? The bad guy is once an absolute banger, but uh, yeah. you know what? The only one you can kind of can consider is almost right. Yeah, I think so. Almost is the only one. Yeah. Really, I, that's that was the one that immediately came to mind. Yeah, but. almost I think is the only one that you can even consider. So. I may, I, may have, I may have to I may have to hit the discography and see what we got. Yeah, do do some research for us here. That's, that's Matt Derrick. Not only does he do research all the time on Chiefs Digest for Chiefs football, he also finds out what is and what is not a power ballad. So make sure you follow him on Twitter at Matt Derrick. Matt, always a pleasure. Uh, always a pleasure, Sterling. Absolutely, and I hope you have a banger of a 2020. <laughs> you too, man. We will take a break. Come back. The zone. We'll have a banger final segment. Sports Radio 810 WHB. Welcome back to The Zone, Sports Radio 810 WHB again. Sterling Holmes filling in for Briscoe and Jason Anderson. But it sounds like Briscoe's here with Fall Out Boy playing, right? Kyle's behind the glass filling in for Dylan Michaels. Hopefully everyone had a happy new year, a safe, uh, fun night last night. Safe, fun night last night. It was wild. I was driving back. I stayed at my fiance's parents' house last night. We were down there. We were celebrating Christmas last uh, last night. And then, or yesterday, I should say, and then going into this. But I had to work, so I had to come in. About an hour south, Mound City, Kansas. Uh, shout out Mound City, Kansas, right? Anyone from Mound City, Kansas listening right now? It's a Congratulations. I like it down there. It's fun. It's, it's really beautiful. Very beautiful. But it's about an hour south from here. Early morning driving back up here. I had to get in early, cut some audio, which we've hardly used. So I'm glad I got here two hours early to do that. But again, uh, I'm a grinder, Okay. We're out here grinding. There's no one on the road. 7 a.m. the day after, uh, I guess, New Year's Day. Zero people. Driving back was awesome. I saw more deers than cars, which, frankly, a little dangerous seeing a lot of deer. But it was it was the most peaceful drive. But I actually listened to Black Sabbath Volume 4. That album is great. Supernaut goes so hard. Cornucopia. Uh, great song, big Black Sabbath guy. You know, sometimes you're like, oh yeah, I forgot about that. And I'm a big album guy. Don't know about you, Kyle. I go top to bottom. I'm not just picking and choosing Iron Man or Paranoid. No, that's kind of an unheard of strategy. I'm not. I'm not just picking listening. a song. I'm going. To, they they designed an album to be listened to front to back. Yeah. Now, I respect it. Or at least A side and B side back then, but front to back now in today's day and age. Yep. So I'm listening to it. Music, the way it was meant to be. I don't know why I'm going off on some tangent right now. Kind of like Jamar Chase last night. All right, we'll play some more audio for you guys. Um, what I noticed during that game was the competitive nature between these these two teams, right? When you play a team, was it five times? And was it two years? Was that what it was? Um, I mean, you're playing a team as more than, actually, the AFC West, right? You play those two teams twice a year. So that's four times in two years. And you're playing the, the Bengals five times. I mean, this is a legitimate rivalry. You heard Jamar talking. You heard uh, some guys post-game chirping back from the Chiefs side. I love this. 
It gets a little chippy in there at some point, but Andy Reid was talking about the competitiveness and the chippiness between the two teams. Yeah, listen, I think these two teams like to play each other and compete, and that's what I saw. And there's going to be some chippy things that go on. I mean, that's just part of the, it's the nature of uh, the, the game. And But it was great for the fans to watch. It was great for coaches to stand on the sideline to watch. That's a great competition. And you, know, you want to make sure that you don't do anything stupid. So you just want to where you get flagged on it. But, you know, that's a, uh, but at the same time, things are going to happen. The emotion, it's an emotional game. And again, the only one I really think of was when Mike Edwards and Jamar both got flagged. Legereus did not get flagged. It was Mike Edwards coming in late, kind of defending Legereus, if you will. Man, I like it. Again, I like the fire, the the competitiveness. Again, you can't be stupid, right? You don't want to do something that hurts your team. We have seen Chris Jones do it in the past. We saw if you watched the Mizzou game versus Ohio State, uh, you couldn't do that. In that, they were going to punt. Right on the half yard line, they're trying to draw a flag there. I don't care if he throws a punch; he's trying to get a rise out of you. Because guess what? If he gets caught for 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 getting into you first, what happens? They move half a yard back. If that, what happens if you get caught? Fifteen yard penalty, ten yard penalty, first down. So kind of the same thing in this game. Uh, I, I'm totally fine with the the refs giving both just a hey, you both get one. Calm down, replay down. I get. I'm fine with that. Yeah, the offsetting, the offsetting, perfectly ability. acceptable. So cool with that. So. In this game, I like the competitive nature, and they're right. They talked about it on the on the um, during the game. The announcers, it's like a playoff game, because the Bengals had to have it to stay in the playoff hunt. The Chiefs needed it just to officially clinch the AFC West again for the eighth straight year. Um, I like games like this. I like when you don't see dudes who are buddy buddy post game. It's kind of nice to watch. Now, I get it. They're probably all cool with Orlando Brown Jr. for the most part and some of the guys. I, I understand that. But I'm cool with the actual almost anger between Jamar and the Chiefs' defense. You saw how physical they were. You saw some of the hits. If they could t- take a hit on Jamar, they were going to do it. Uh, I want to say it was Charles Minahu, who, by the way, was not here the past year for a lot of this stuff. When he had an opportunity to hit Jamar from behind, and pretty darn hard, hard, what did he do? He laid him out. I mean, he not dirty, nothing dirty, not trying to injure him, but the physicality is what I loved in this one. It does get you ready for the playoffs, because what happened in the playoffs? Physicality, the speed, the want to, it all ramps up. It's a good little test right here. Um, something we've talked about is Mahomes' um, and the offense in general, trying to simplify things. I keep going back to the Raiders game, the first Raiders game, where the Chiefs put up 31 points in three quarters, right? What do they do? It wasn't a ton of deep balls. It wasn't them trying to get super aggressive. Nothing fluky. It was a case that they took what was given, they were efficient, and they didn't have a whole bunch of turnovers. They took care of the football. So Mahomes was asked if they simplified things last night. Yeah, I think we, it wasn't... I mean, we still had a lot of the same similar plays. I think we just we just put guys out there and said, we're going to run the plays that we know. Um, we're going to let y'all go out there and play fast. Um, and then no thinking, let's just let's just be us. And I think that helped guys play more free today. And then whenever stuff went wrong, it's, and we could bounce back quickly. It wasn't like we were like trying to fix it and figure out a different way to do this. It was, hey, we know these plays. We, we run these plays. Um, and let's let, let the guys go out there and play fast and use their talent. I thought they did a great job of it. So what Daniel and I both noticed was 12 personnel, right? 
what happens in 12 personnel. You only have two wide receivers out there in the field. You look at the snap count and breakdown for Kansas City, what was it? 78% for Rasheed Rice, 70% from MVS. Huge drop-off, then 44% for Justin Watson. They ran a lot of 12 personnel. They ran the ball a lot in general. But they were going to run plays that, again, in my mind, kind of paraphrasing from Mahomes, didn't require a lot of thinking. You're not overthinking things. And I've said for a while now, it feels like the Chiefs' wide receivers and receiving core, they have the yips, they have the, the Chuck Knobloch. Right, I, I always go the Chuck Knobloch or the John Lester, the the Rick Ankeel, where you get in your dome. You're overthinking things. Now I think MVS still had some of that in this game, but you saw Rasheed feel more free, right? Um, even when they when they used Richie James, when they used Justin Watson, when they used McCall Hardman, they used him in a, in a way in a role where they weren't asking him to do too much. Same thing with Justin Watson. That's why a lot of those guys' snap count was down as much as I want to see more Richie James. Again, I would love to see more Richie James. But again, I wonder if some of the playbook just might be a lot for him in his first year here in Kansas City. How much have we heard about how large and complex Andy's playbook is? It might be too difficult for a lot of guys. Again, this is my thought here. So what do they do? They, they, they break it down and throw those plays out. Okay, We're going to run what we know. We're going to run the simplified plays. How many trick plays did you see in this game? How many of those, let's overthink it, plays did you see in this game? Any? I, I can't think of one. I, I I truthfully can't. Because they simplified things down. And what happened? Put up 25 points. Now again, 25 points might not seem like a lot compared to previous years. This year, it's big. Okay? And, and quite frankly, they took what was given. Six field goals. I, you don't want to settle. Again, I, I mentioned it. You go to the red zone three times, score once. Not ideal. Surprisingly, 33% is not what you want. End of the day, what happened, though? They put up points. The defense this year is good enough. You put up 25 points, you're winning that game. This defense is elite, it's electric, and they can count on them. So take care of the football. Take your points, which is wild to say from the Chiefs, especially with Mahomes at quarterback in 2023. But with Harrison Butker being as nails as he's been all season long. Do it. Defense is great. Your run game's solid, and you, you're you a good special teams team for the most part. I like this. Again, will it work against uh, San Fran, Buffalo, a Miami? Well, it did against Miami. Buffalo, not so much. That was a different story. But again, I... I this team is not going to look the same as it has in years past, and we have to accept that. Maybe next year they, they revamp the wide receivers and they revamp the offense. I get all that stuff. But what we are looking at right now as a team, if they score 25, they're probably going to win that game. I don't care how you score 25. Score 25. And they did. Uh, Mahomes talks about hitting a deep shot finally. We, we, we brought up in the, in the first segment, how nice was it to see Rasheed Rice catch a deep ball? How nice was it to finally see also Justin Watson catch a 41-yarder? Now, we know MVS still had his struggles in this game, but again, we've not seen connections on deep balls hardly at all this season. We saw two in this game, so here's Mahomes on hitting a deep shot. Yeah, I think guys just did a great job of of attacking the defense. I mean, I think it's, at the end of the day, it's me trusting those guys to go out there and make plays happen, and I put it out there, and, and guys made a lot of plays happen. So, I mean, that's just going to continue to build trust um, that I can go and do that, and I think it'll help 
uh, open Travis up because there's so much attention on him in the middle of the field. And I think if we can show that we can go over the top and hit these deep, deep passes, it'll open up him, and then we can kind of battle off that um, throughout the rest of the year. Again, all you need is one or two a game. We know it's not the same as last year. And by the way, I, I, I just I despise when people say, well, yeah, it's not going to look the same when Tyreek Hill was here. Well, no bleep, but the Chiefs just won a Super Bowl without him. I don't, I don't understand how people forget that the Chiefs won a Super Bowl without Tyreek Hill here. It's like people have amnesia. They won last year without Tyreek Hill. Okay? It's fine. They've shown they can do it different ways. But what happened last year? Juju was great on those back shoulder throws, and you still had at least one or two deep balls a game, right? It was a little different, but you still had that. There's been hardly any connection deep this season. So seeing two in this game, that to me was a huge step in the right direction. That play to Rice was the longest play of the season. 67 yards, yeah. I think is what it was. The longest yeah. passing play. And again, yakability. It's what I talk about all the time. And I know we've got to take a break. I understand that really. But just very, very quickly. It's why it's really difficult to say... You know, Brock Purdy's had a better year than Mahomes. Yeah, sure, statistics-wise, he sure enough has. But when people say, yeah, Brock Purdy leads the league in 20-yard passes downfield, they go, that's great and all. How much of it is it yak? I'm, this is not me trying to take a knock against Brock Purdy because he's doing what he's supposed to do. He's getting the ball to his playmaker's hands early. He's letting his guys make plays. It's not a knock on Brock Purdy. But what I'm saying is the, the, the 49ers have how many guys, you get in the ball five yards down the field, they turn into 20. How many guys does that happen with Kansas City? The only guy we're starting to see that from, Rasheed Rice. It's a great thing to have, to have a guy who can be that explosive, this young, cost-controlled, and oh yes, catching the ball. Catching the ball deep, getting better, in the same page as Patrick Mahomes. We'll take a break, come back to Zone. Sports Radio 810 WHB. Welcome back to The Zone. Sterling Holmes here. Again, going back to the deep ball talk, uh, Next Gen Stats had an interesting one. Again, why I'm trying to talk about this so much. Patrick Mahomes' 67-yard completion to Rasheed Rice is Rice's first deep reception of his career, which is classified as 20-plus air yards, right? Again, we're not talking about 10 yards and you take it for 20. It's talking about 20-plus air yards. First one of Rice's career, and Mahomes threw for 108 yards on deep passes today. Two for three. That's his first game over 100 yards since Tyreek Hill left the team. Didn't happen last year. Happened last night. Again, it's why I, I, I've been trying to, to be positive and talk more about the deep ball that was thrown last night. It was interesting. Um, it, 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 it's unique and it's new. Uh, we don't have time for, for this Pacheco clip I wanted to play, so I'm going to bring up just what he, what he said He's feeling good after his shoulder surgery, right? It was on the same shoulder he had off-season sur- uh, surgery on. But what I saw from Pacheco last night, which um, bodes well for the Chiefs going forward and for his career, he was very physical still. He ran angry. But what I noticed was the dancing feet ceased. Right? He keeps moving, don't get me wrong. But how many times have you seen wasted movement from Pacheco? Like, you always watch him and go, man, that looked like he ran for 30 yards and it was for like nine. How many times do you go, that's a seven-yard gain, you think it's seven, it's like four. He, he He's moved so much, it makes you think he's doing more than he actually is sometimes. You didn't see that in this game. 
You saw the explosive plays. You saw the physicality, and you didn't see a waste of movement, right? You didn't see wasted movement a ton in this game. No dancing. That is huge for Pacheco going forward. All right, everyone have a happy, happy New Year. Hopefully everyone had a happy holidays and Merry Christmas. Uh, Jason Anderson, Briscoe, I believe are back tomorrow. I am Sterling Holmes. You can follow me on Twitter at HomestretchKC. Thank you to Kyle. Up next, college football.